G'day, welcome along to another sermon from Good News Christian Church in Howrah, Tasmania, Australia. I'm Bernard Kane, I'm the pastor. Get in touch sometime at goodnewschristianchurch.org or why not come by one Sunday morning. For now, here's the sermon. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan, that is, in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hatzeroth and Disahab. These are the words. Uh, so welcome to our new series in Deuteronomy from uh, this Old Testament book uh, in our Bibles. Here at Good News Church, of course, we, we believe that the whole Bible is God's Word to us, the whole thing beginning to end. We believe that the whole Bible tells God's one unified story, His story about who He is and what He's done for us in Christ, uh, for our salvation and in love. Uh, In other words, it's not just the New Testament that we take to be God's Word to us, although of course it is. Uh, It's not just the easy bits to understand. It's not just the bright and happy sounding bits. Uh, It's not just the bits that perhaps we like the sound of or we find easy to apply. No, no, the whole of God's Word, one Word from our one God of His unfolding work of salvation in Christ that we, by His Spirit, have become caught up in, one Word for our whole world. So, for these next six weeks, we're going to wind back the clock here to Deuteronomy, wind back the clock to the time of Moses uh, to what I reckon is the single greatest book in the Old Testament in terms of its scope, its impact, its portrait of our God. I wonder if you'd agree by the time we get to the end of our series. Um, firstly, though, a little quick, uh, before we pray, quick preliminary question for you. Let's just try and wrap our heads around Deuteronomy a little bit. So, the life of Moses, okay? Moses is the key character in Deuteronomy. Uh, do you know when that was, roughly, just round figures, in terms of a year. Do you have a fix on when the life of Moses was? I think there are, um, these are some of the kinds of details that it's helpful for us to lock away. Uh, Just a few key dates uh, for our minds uh, as we live as Christians in the modern world. A few key dates, like when was the time of Abraham? When was the time of Moses? When was the kingdom of David and Solomon? When did the exile happen as God's people were shunned out of the land and then they came back? And when, of course, uh, this is the easier one, isn't it? When was the life of Jesus? Just a few key dates for us to um, have to mind. Helps us to piece it together with the rest of history as we go. Um, Now, I'm sure that most of us, we can place Moses in our Bibles, can't we? We can, we can largely situate him there. So Moses lived and he preached and he wrote and he led Israel. Well, back even before Israel, the people were in Israel, the territory, all right? In fact, that was kind of the story of his life. Israel emerged from Egypt. You remember the Exodus, of course, he's the main character there. And who stood at the helm of Israel? It was Moses back then, as they came through the Red Sea and all the rest. Deuteronomy then takes us to the other end of Moses' life, indeed the closing chapters of Deuteronomy include Moses' own death, but can you tell me roughly when that happened? You have a date for that. Let me give you one, we're talking round figures, 1300 BC, give or take a little bit, 1300 BC, that's three and a half thousand years ago, a little bit less, compared to today, 2,000 years back to Jesus, 1,300 years uh, back to Moses. That's a long time and yet we take 
the whole Bible to be God's word to us today. Can we pray as we come to it, please? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, would you please expand both our understanding and our desire this morning that we might understand your unchanging word, your eternal character, your unending love and mercy and holiness and goodness. We've seen it all across history. And at the same time, would you please enlarge our actual desire for what's good and for what's true, our desire for what's wholesome and helpful and holy in our lives. God in heaven, let us not leave here, please, unmoved by your Holy Spirit's work today in us. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Right, so with Deuteronomy open on our laps, today let's just contain ourselves to five verses. Uh, Ruth read heaps for us before, very well read. Thank you so much, Ruth, is the drama that we're going to revisit um, in much more, um, you know, length next week. But for today, five short verses and one broad question. Um, Here's the question, where are you? That's our broad question for today. Where are you in life and before God and in faith? Where are you? Um, Let's begin. I'll explain as we go. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of the Jordan, that is in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hatzeroth and Dizahab. Um, Let me just say... Most of those places, yeah, we don't really know where they are anymore, unfortunately, lost in the sands of time. Uh, So the geographical specifics, yeah, maybe they fall on deaf ears. But even so, just have a look at that verse. Can we say this much confidently? Where are you, O people of Israel? Well, we're still not where we want to be. We're still skulking around outside the promised land. Remember the life of Moses and his situation, the role that he played in Israel's formation. These are the words, Deuteronomy 1 verse 1, these are the words Moses spoke to all Israel and then he puts it in three ways. Number one, in the desert. Two, east of the Jordan, that is in the Arabah. Three, plus all of those place names largely lost on us now. Where are you, Israel? Well, Folks, um, could you just picture for me, please, a little map of um, Old Testament Israel, um, uh, if you can. Um, So I'll do it your way around. So you've got the Mediterranean Sea to the west. You can picture it there, the edge of the Mediterranean. Then you've, what have you got next? You've got the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of Israel, the hopes and dreams, the place uh, where they were to leave Egypt to then go and enjoy and live out their days in and settle in the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. So the Mediterranean Sea, the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, the Jordan River continuing. And then what have you got? You've got where they are, east of the Jordan, in the desert, that is, in the Arabah. Uh, Perhaps it seems um, a little bit of a long bow, but let me ask it anyway. For us today, uh, the question is, you know, where are you, not where we want to be? For us today, how many of us can say that, yep, I am where I want to be? kind of am in the promised land, just as far as my life circumstances, as far as where I'm up to in life at the present time. Um, Now, I know a few of us can say that, can't we, in terms of the house and spouse and 
kids and job, I've, you know, just in conversation, some of us, yeah, we kind of are actually, and praise God for that, house and spouse and kids and car and job. But for most of us, I think we'd say, no, if we're honest, it's, it's not our lived experience. We're a little bit more like, actually, the people of Israel tucked on the wrong side of the Jordan, if you take my meaning. More pointedly, perhaps, for some of us, the answer is no, not anymore. Um, Years ago, maybe, decades even. Let me just say, part of Deuteronomy's word to us includes this challenge, I think, for God's people today. Do not mistake this world as the promised land. Not at the moment. Do not mistake this world and your experience, even in the now, as the promised land, as the land flowing with milk and honey, as all God had ever wanted and hoped and dreamed um, for you. Can you see where you are? You're not there yet. Still in the desert, not home yet. Deuteronomy starts with the challenge to the people of Israel to remember that. You are still on a journey. God's got you, but you are still on a journey. Now, we're going to have to nuance that, of course, for us as Christians, because in Christ, in Christ, we do have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, Ephesians chapter 1, yeah, absolutely, but at the same time, Peter can say at the start of his letter, say he can describe Christians as God's elect, strangers in the world, do you see? Where are we? Keep reading, verse 2. Uh, This is a funny one, actually, verse 2. So, we've just given the context, where are we? We're not where we want to be. And then he gives this odd bit of background. Have a look, verse 2, in brackets there. It takes, says Moses, it takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. More geography, goodness me, more place names. Uh, Now, the thing is, you know one of those. Um, even if you think that you um, don't recognise any, you do know one of them. It's because one of them goes by a different name. Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. Did you realise that? Mount Sinai. Does that change things a little bit? The point there is, you've walked this journey before, O Israel. Uh, this, this is background that you guys uh, spread out there on the east of the Jordan. You ought to know. Remember how it takes 11 days, guys, ladies and gentlemen, children of Israel? Remember how it takes 11 days, just 11 days, to walk from Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai where God spoke to us on the mountain. You know, Mount Sinai, Horeb, first stop on the way out of Egypt and God boomed from there, gave us his word. He showed us how to live, gave us the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets, the whole thing. Remember, 11 days, just 11 days journey to hike the Mount Seir Road uh, from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. Just notice, folks, Kadesh Barnea, that's not where they are now. That's not east of the Jordan, but it is another edge of the Promised Land. And Moses' point here is, yeah, it's the shortest distance, isn't it? You go out of Egypt, across to Mount, or down into the Mount Sinai, and then you go up, shortest distance to the Promised Land, 11 days journey, up to Kadesh Barnea. You remember that? Verse 2, it takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. Verse 3, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded concerning them. Where are you, O Israel, in the time of Deuteronomy? We're still waiting out here. Still waiting. 
A journey of 11 days has entered its 40th year for the people of Israel. Still, still waiting. Can I put it like this, though? Where are you, O Israel? Well, in a sense, you stand exactly where your now late parents once stood. Reaching out, you can almost touch the promised land and yet you're still not there. You're standing where your parents once stood, on the edges of hopes and joys that they never took hold of. That's where you stand today, O Israel. They looked out on that promised land, just 11 days' journey from Sinai, 40 years ago. Now, we'll save the details of that for next week. But can we say this much? The journey, you see, and Israel needed to see this, the journey wasn't just geographical, it was generational as well. Faith becomes the question for you today, O Israel, and for us, the people of God today. Where are you on, the journey, on your journey with God? I'm not asking about mum and dad's journey with the Lord. Where are you when it comes to the Lord? Uh, I'm not asking about grandma, I'm not asking about family traditions, I'm not asking about the grudges and the problems and the conflicts that you had in the past uh, with church or whatever. I'm asking about you, where are you before the Lord? Uh, now, in, in some ways, that, that has ready application, doesn't it? And we probably think, oh, well, that, that applies to the teenagers um, here. And it does, doesn't it? Uh, because it, it's, it's, it's the question, where are you before the Lord? As you stand at the crossroads of faith, for yourself. It's the, isn't it just the responsibility that comes with that independence that you so crave in life? You know, you're growing up, still living under, under mum and dad's roof, maybe got a job or trying to get a job and craving that independence, well, here's the responsibility that comes with it. Where do I stand before the Lord on my own two feet? But keep going though, because I think it's the question, isn't it, for my generation. As we now watch our parents grow older, and weaker in that slow motion process that we call ageing, where do we stand before the Lord? But I actually think it's, it's also the question for the eldest people here as well, because probably more than anyone, you feel very keenly that your parents have gone before you. Your parents, of course, went before you as theirs did before them. You see, the thing is, in life, we stand ever at a crossroads, still waiting with an ever-relevant question, where are you before the Lord? Never grows old, that one. I wonder, do you have a personal testimony of God's work in your life like they did? I think that's the point of verses, uh, sort of verse 4, those next couple of verses there, pick it up from verse 3. So, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. Here's, their, here's what they can testify to of God's work in their life, verse 4, this was after, after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and at Edrei had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. Where, I, where am I? Well, I stand here by the grace of God. I'm still standing 40 years on, that's where I am. I'm in the hands of God and I know He has carried us through. Are you able to say that, I wonder? As you stand before the Lord... But folks, I think it's this last bit that binds it all together for us. So where are we? Well, we're not, we're not there yet. Most of us are able to say it. We've been here before and we're still waiting. We're here thanks to the grace of God. But here comes the pointy end of Deuteronomy and uh, not just Deuteronomy 1, but I think the whole of Deuteronomy. It's this. 
Where are you? It's that we stand today in the presence of the Word of the Lord to us. We stand today in the presence of the Word of the Lord to us. Isn't that where Deuteronomy starts? Deuteronomy 1 verse 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel. Deuteronomy 1 verse 3. Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. And now verse 5. East of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, and and on he goes, and Deuteronomy unfolds. Words. We stand before and under, and in some ways on, the words of the Lord. I want to say, I reckon, words are a pretty intriguing gift, aren't they? For the people of Israel to a world-weary, desert-baked people standing at the edge of the promised land? Isn't words kind of a weird thing for God to give them? Uh, Curious, intriguing for two reasons. Number one, I'm not sure that words is what they would have chosen. You know, they're talking about God. If they could have had anything, what gift would they have chosen? Tanks? Guns? Bombs, maybe? I mean, the land that they were planning to possess had inhabitants, militarily superior, really very scary Canaanite inhabitants. The war lay ahead of them for the most part. Sihon and Og were just the foretaste, really. Or they might have asked, give us, oh God, give us, can't you give us the promised land here? I mean, you're able to work the miraculous, um, the, you know, can't you miraculously change this baking desert into a land flowing with milk and honey? Spare us the journey, God. Give it to us now, can't you? God didn't spare them the journey. He gave them his word. Intriguing because, number two, words can go two ways. If you listen to the word of the Lord, well, it can go well, can't it? It can go well. They are a token, God's words, they are a token of God's love. They are a statement of his devotion to us. They are a promise of more that's to come, they are a pattern to follow, they are a map for us, for them, to find their way home with the Lord. But if you don't listen to the words, well then what lies ahead? Another 40 years in the baking desert? Are we going to drop off the perch like our parents did and our kids are going to be standing on the edge of the promised land, staring again with it frustratingly at arm's reach with more words from the Lord, do you see? Words can go one of two ways. Folks, could you please come across with me to Hebrews now as we move towards a conclusion? Because I think at our crossroads in life, you know, three and a half thousand years onward from the time of Deuteronomy, where we are, the word that we have outshines what they had in their day, in every way. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Would you please have a look with me here? Hebrews chapter 1. Come over with me. We're in the New Testament now. Um, Hebrews chapter 1. We're not quite sure who wrote Hebrews. Some folks think it was the Apostle Paul. Uh, I'm not so sure. I do think it belongs in our Bibles though, never mind about that. Um, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. It gives us a little lesson actually on the word of the Lord down the ages. Here it is. In the past, writes the author to the Hebrews, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son, S-O-N, it's talking about Jesus, isn't it? The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he's inherited is superior to this. There's the word that we have. Not some promises, not an expansion of the law while in the baking desert waiting to enter the promised land. No, today we have the gospel of Jesus. We have the Son of God, the glory of God himself revealed um, in flesh and blood to us and not only that, in his uh, death for us alluded to there. But please also listen to this then. Because words can go one of two ways. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 continues the thought, we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. For if the message spoken by angels, that's a, that's a funny way of talking about the Old Testament law, including Deuteronomy, for if that message was binding, every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation, this salvation which was first announced by the Lord, the Lord Jesus, was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Friends, I want to ask you today, where are you this morning? May I be so bold as to confront you with this, The one standing between you and the promised land, no, I don't mean a strip of turf in the Middle East, the one standing between you and the promised land is a confrontation with the Word of God, namely the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived and died, who now reigns in heaven over us and for us. Have you done business with that Word, that Word from the Lord? Does your hope reside in that Word of God? Does, uh, do your fears and your disappointments, your real frustrations about how life has turned out or is turning out or is declining or whatever it is, do your fears, your disappointments, your worries, your weaknesses find their comfort, find your consolation, find their calm in that powerful word, that one word, that full word from heaven and for you that speaks of a guarantee of what's to come for you? Does your pride, your self-assurance, your superiority, are those things, are they calmed and quieted? In fact, are they carved away before the God who has fought for you and died for you and won the world for you? See, in the Lord Jesus, we hear God's full and final word, a word to us, standing, as it were, in the baking desert, able to see the promised land ahead, but not quite able to reach out and touch it. In the Lord Jesus, we hear God's full and final word. Maybe we'd have asked for something else in all of our wisdom, the house and the spouse and the kids and the car and the job. But what we got is God himself, guiding us home, calling us on, a word who will stand with us and live over us and loves all of us 
forever. Can we please pray? Oh, Father God in heaven, we do marvel this morning at your patience, at your constancy. Three and a half thousand years and still a God of your word, a God who reaches out to us, who speaks a word that we can lean on, who speaks a word which is just what we need even more than what we think we need. Father, we pray particularly for those amongst us who feel that they look at the good life from afar, perhaps they see those around them as if over the Jordan, so to speak, living in the land of milk and honey, but theirs, ours, is more like a desert. God, give us patience, please. You are eternal, but we confess we are poor at waiting patiently, waiting faithfully, trusting resolutely. Father, may Christ be our strength in those times, our guarantee of life, our hope and our joy. May he be the word that comforts us in our desert, just as he is the word that confronts us in our disinterest, in our doubts. Father God, lastly, we really do cry out for those among us and dear to us who haven't yet heard the word or have heard it but haven't heard it in a compelling way, coupled with the work of your Holy Spirit. Father, as Moses told your people all that you commanded them, we know that our Lord Jesus told his people to go to the nations teaching all that he commanded them. So, Father, may we be faithful to our Lord's call. Even this week, would you please open doors, God, in our relationships, in our friendships, over the back fence with neighbours, in the quietness with friends and family. Open doors, please, for us to speak the word, to speak of Jesus. And then would you give us patience and tenderness and tact and calm and humility? But please give us the words to testify to the word May your word confront. May it bring to others the same comfort it has brought to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.